Amen. You may have a seat. Well, it is so good to see you this morning because Jesus is alive. So good to see you. Hey, I want to remind you that we've got Play-Doh, we've got coloring pages, we have a room through those double doors for the nursery if you need, or if you just get bored, no judgment, you can do that. But I'm not going to speak for just a whole, whole lot of time, but I do want to tell you a couple different stories. I love that Amy shared the story in such a beautiful and sweet, pun intended way. And I love that Pastor Kathy talked about that first Easter morning. In just a minute, I'm going to tell you two stories. One I'm going to spend most of my time in is in John chapter 11. So you can jump there if you have a Bible or if you have it on your phone, but I'm just going to be telling you that story. And if you want to follow along, I hope you grabbed one of these little half-sheet handouts. And Andrew and Isaac are going to be coming around. So if you do want to just kind of salute these two sharp-dressed young men, uh, they can get you one of those. In fact, Isaac, I need one of those because it's Easter and I was so excited. I might just forget what I was going to say. But we're going to talk about two stories, about two different Marys, and about one Lord who brought light and life where there was once death and darkness. That's what Easter's about. That's what we've been so powerfully reminded about thus far. So, as you're coming around, and as you're raising your hands for handouts, I'm going to make it even more confusing and ask you to raise your hand if you have seen the Disney movie Moana. Raise your hand if you've seen the Disney movie Moana. Now, I see some enthusiastically raised hands. Keep them raised, loud and proud. And they're enthusiastically raised because in my house, by God's grace and because Jesus is alive, Moana dethroned Frozen because Moana is way better. I hate to just start with controversy, but that's truth. That is Easter truth. Now keep your hands raised if you've seen it more than once, if you've seen it two times. At least two times, keep your hands raised, okay? How about at least five times? Whoa. This is separating the Disney men or freaks from the boys, or you have children. So here he goes. If, keep your hands raised if you've seen Moana at least 20 times. Courtney Kanadabi, are you serious? <laughs> Hannah Vaughn, my goodness. Now, I want you to notice that up front, this sweet little redhead named Emma has her hand raised. Nora has her hand raised, because in my house, Moana is queen. And here's the best part about my girls in Moana, and you other freaks who love it. And I use that in the nicest way possible. Every time my girls see Moana, it's like they're experiencing it for the first time. When she sings that song, which is also way better than Let It Go, How Far I'll Go, they are dancing around beautifully. They're singing along as if they themselves were Moana. Then when she's out in the boat and the storm comes, they're saying, go, go, you can do it, as if they are Moana. And then when they have those weird coconut-looking monsters, they're saying, go, 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 go. And they're jumping up and down. And then at the end, spoiler alert, Amy Kahn, who didn't raise her hand, when Moana returns the heart to Tefiti, and it's this touching and beautiful moment where she's like, this is not who you really are, lava monster. You, just watch it, Amy. 
it'll make sense. They are looking with wonder and awe as if it was the very first time. So now, if I ask you to raise your hand if you've heard the Easter story, what we've read, what Pastor Kathy told us, what Amy reminded our children about, I bet you that every hand in this room would be raised. Not just because you just heard it, but because I think if you found somebody on the street and said, what is Jesus' story, I guarantee you, whether they've ever set foot in a church, especially in the Bible Belt, they would say, well, Jesus died on a cross. Then they would say, but these Christians say that he was raised from the dead. This is just part of our culture, it's part of our fabric. But the reason why we gather together on Easter is not just because it's on the calendar and it's what we do, We gather together because I believe whether it's your first time, your fifth time, your 20th time, or your thousandth time, we need to experience this story because it reminds us that death and darkness does not get the final word and that God really is making all things new. Why do we need to be reminded? It's on your handout. Because in a world marked by death and darkness, Easter reminds us that in Jesus Christ, God really is making all things new. If I did another hand-raise poll, I know that each person in this room has experienced the loss of a loved one in death. I know that you've experienced a loss of some dream or relationship or job or something dear to you. You've experienced the weight of loss. You've experienced some shock at the violence we see in the headlines. You've experienced darkness either firsthand or secondhand or thirdhand because we live in a world marked by death and darkness. So why do we need reminding? Because we need reminding that God uses the raw material of death and darkness that we saw on Friday in order to pass through it and redeem it and make all things new. So these two stories we're going to look briefly at are about two Marys that both encounter one Lord who, as I said earlier, brings light and life where there is only death and darkness. These are Easter stories that remind us that because Jesus is alive, we can be alive. And if you've been a part of the neighborhood church during the season of Lent, y'all have, have y'all heard of Lent? Lent is the season just before Easter where people fast and get angry and hangry because you're like me, you're not drinking sodas, or you're like people who aren't drinking or eating chocolate. But it's a season of preparation. Well, during Lent, we've been looking at seven statements that Jesus said that are recorded in John's Gospel. There are four Gospels that tell the story, the good news of Jesus. And John's is unique. And John has these seven statements where Jesus says things like, I am the good shepherd. Have you all heard of the good shepherd? He says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the true vine. He says these things, why? Because he is them. Thank you, Will. But also because he wants us to see, y'all say see, and believe, y'all say believe, that we can have life in Jesus. Because here's the trick. We go looking for life everywhere else, especially when death and darkness comes knocking on our door. If you're like me, you can get lost in grief. You can get lost in some habits 
that circle back around. You can get lost in work and hobbies, but Jesus wants to say, no, 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 no. In me is life and resurrection. He says to a Mary and her sister Martha, in one of the deepest and darkest moments of their lives, these words, it's on your handout in John chapter 11. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives believing in me will never die. So this is not just some box that you check marked and said, yep, got it, thank you. It's a kind of believing that is relational, it's persisting, and it's even in the hardest moments of darkness and death. Did y'all see, look at your handout, handout, and if you got a pen, you can even circle it. Do you see the juxtaposition of life and death? Do you see what makes the difference between life and death? Whoever, what? Believes. There is something about believing in Jesus that makes this resurrection and life possible. And so the question in bold there is the question not just for two grieving sisters, Mary and Martha, in our first story, but it's a question for us. Do you believe this? So, to our story in John chapter 11. I told you we were introduced to Mary and Martha. Now, there's a lot of Marys in the New Testament. Pastor Kathy just read about a few. So many that when Matthew wrote that, he said, uh, the other Mary. Like, there's so many that even in the Bible, they're like, yeah, that one over there. Yeah, I don't know. She, I think she looks like that. There's a lot of Marys. So there are these two particular sisters, this Mary and Martha, that Jesus loves. If you're following along at the beginning of chapter 11, you see that Jesus loved them. He loved them deeply, okay? So much so that when their brother Lazarus, y'all heard of Lazarus? When he gets sick, they send word to Jesus, and they say, the one you love is sick. Now pause right there. We all have experienced death and darkness, and even though God loves us, it does not excuse us from suffering. Even those whom Jesus loves has to go through it. And we need to remember this. So Mary and Martha have this brother who Jesus loves and he's sick. And they do what we all do and they go and send word to say, come and visit. They send word to the loved ones. And they know Jesus because they know where Jesus is and they go after him because why? They think that Jesus might do something about it. In our church, for followers of Jesus, we pray. I can't go send an email to Jesus who's kicking it in rock wall and say, hey, come over here because I stubbed my toe and it hurts and do something about it. But actually, even better, because nobody wants to drive across Lake Ray Hubbard, I can pray to him because we believe Jesus is alive and to the one who is following him, we are infused with his life and his love and his spirit and so he is there to cry out to. In our church, instead of emailing Jesus, we pray and we say we pray like this. We pray believing that God can. We ask 
trusting that God will, and then we trust knowing that God loves no matter what happens. Because this is the hard part. If I were to ask you to raise your hand again and say, have you ever had a prayer that wasn't answered in the way you wanted it to be? Yes. So Mary and Martha send word and they say, Lazarus is sick. And they're expecting Jesus to do what he had done hundreds of times before, and that is show up and heal. And if you look at John chapter 11, Jesus doesn't do what they hoped for, and he doesn't do what we were expecting. He says, when he heard this news, he stayed, Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. And that's when you're reading John 11, you say, what? He stayed where he was. Now, imagine that they're looking at their watches, Mary and Martha. Lazarus is sick, he's not doing well, and they start to say, Jesus should have been at least to Garland by now. I know there's traffic on the lake, but come on, dude. And what happens? Lazarus dies. There's this interlude where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, this will not end in death because he will rise again and God's glory will be revealed. But let me tell you who didn't know that conversation with Jesus and his disciples took place. Y'all say Mary and Martha. What are they doing? They're crying and weeping because death and darkness is closing in and they think that it has the final word. So finally, we see four days later, actually more than four days, Lazarus has died. People have come and gathered. They're having the funeral. They're having the wake, which is lasting at least a week. And he's been in the tomb for four days. Then Jesus finally shows up. And then Martha hears that he's crossed into the city limits, and she ain't having it. And she runs after Jesus, and she does what any sensible person who knows Jesus well, and give you permission, people who know Jesus, to let him have it. Because darkness and death, you're allowed to feel it. Don't ever let anybody tell you that our faith, the Christian faith, is to excuse you and escape you from suffering. Don't let any preacher tell you that if you're a good person, death and darkness won't come knocking on your door. But let me tell you this, here's the difference. You won't suffer alone. Jesus still comes, and through the tears, Martha screams at him and says, if only you had actually been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. You could have actually done something about it, Jesus. And Jesus, listen, doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't kick her away. He doesn't say, well, uh, uh, but traffic on the bridge. Jesus speaks to her and says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, your brother will rise again. And you know what Martha says? She says the Sunday school answer. Y'all heard of a Sunday school answer? Let me tell you. Go up in these rooms or any church in America. Excuse me, um, so who went on the ark with the animals two by two? Jesus. Whoa, actually, no. And what did you have for 
breakfast this morning? Jesus. That's the Sunday school answer. Jesus, Jesus, oh, whatever, just give me some candy. This is the Sunday school answer. Jesus says, your brother will rise again, and Martha, through her tears and frustration, says the pat religious answer that so many people give us when death and darkness come knocking on our doorstep. Jesus. She says, I know, Jesus, that my brother will rise again at the last day. The Sunday school answer was, at the last day, at the end of time, all God's faithful people will be raised up. She says, got it, good, thanks, I'm hurting today, what now? Jesus moves on through the city, and he sees Mary, because then Mary gets word, and she runs to Jesus, and I'm sure she was just as frustrated as Martha, but what she does is collapse at his feet, and she weeps, and in John 11, Jesus sees her weeping. Know that when darkness and death surround us, Jesus sees you. And then Jesus goes with her to where the suffering and darkness is its most poignant at the tomb. And Jesus, what? Wept. This is another problem with Sunday school answers. And this is the problem that we can avoid on Easter where we just try to escape and realize this. Know that Jesus suffers with you. You won't suffer alone, but the second thing is this, and this is on your handout. Know that each step you take with Jesus in the darkness, even if it's to the tomb, is a step closer to the light. At this moment, Mary and Martha still don't know what's about to take place. And the statement we read earlier, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives believing in me will never die. And then he says, do you believe this to the women who are weeping? And I want to tell you that for most of my life, if I were to hear these words, I would have given a Sunday school answer too. And I remember several years ago, it had been years since I had experienced my own personal tragedy and death. I had been funeral free for 10 years, and there was one loss that my wife and I experienced that really just kind of broke open the floodgates, and we were leaving the grave, and I'll never forget this, of this woman that we loved who was 39 years old, and we were sobbing and screaming and frustrated, but I remember in that moment, I did not want to hear one Sunday school answer. But what I did was cling to the person of Jesus with a stubborn hope that says, if Easter is true and if you are really alive, then I believe and I've got to believe that you are even stronger than this right here. Because we can't get close to the Easter hope unless we feel the weight of Friday death. But it makes it that much sweeter It wasn't until I realized that the resurrection and the life was not just a doctrine to believe or a hope to wait for. The resurrection and the life is a person to trust, even in the face of death and darkness. Martha trusts. The answer to her question, even through her tears, was that she believed. So then Jesus 
walks up to the tomb. He's been weeping with Mary. And then he says this incredible thing, take away the stone. And then Martha, who was the one that ran out to the city limits and kept it real, keeps it real and says, uh, this dude is dead and it's gonna stink. And Jesus says, no, 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 take away the stone because they still don't have the full story. Then Jesus prays in front of the crowd, so there's no denying that this is God's power at work and not some magic trick. I know that Easter is April Fool's today, but Jesus was not interested in April Fool's prank. He was interested in this command and invitation to speak the direct words to a dead man by name. Pastor Kathy reminded us that Jesus calls us by name. And he says these words, Lazarus, come out. And he does. And then you see this crowd who earlier had been saying, couldn't the guy that healed a blind man have kept this dude from dying? They didn't have the whole story. But Lazarus comes out and he says these words, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Here's the thing. We sang that first song we did today, Glorious Day, that gets me pumped up. We sang that a few weeks ago. And I had been living a little bit in my life thinking, is Jesus really that good? Is Jesus really resurrection and life? And we're singing this song and I hear these words rattling around in my head. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. And I think that we need the Easter story to remind us that when we let the death and darkness have the final word, we begin to live in it. We begin to put on the grave clothes. We begin to live and walk in the sin and the hurt and the hangups and the habits that Jesus wants to walk with us through, but he wants to do so in such a way that removes them so that we can walk freely and experience the life and light that Jesus gives. So we see this incredible resurrection that John is pointing ahead to the story we read earlier. But there's a big difference, and it's on a quote written by N.T. Wright. Our church has read a devotional and a Bible plan during the season of Lent written by this man. But he says that Lazarus came back into a world where death threats still mattered. Pause. Y'all know that they wanted to kill Lazarus because this was such a powerful sign that the crowd who was questioning Jesus ended up believing in him and his power. Wright continues, Jesus had gone on through death and out into a new world, a new creation, a new life beyond where death itself had been defeated and life, sheer life, Life in all its fullness could begin at last. I want you to understand that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It is who he is and it is what he gives. That even though we experience death, it doesn't get the final word. That those who believe in Jesus who persist in this stubborn hope and this relationship that Easter reminds us of, we are clinging to him, his life, his love, his spirit is infused with us and not even death can separate us from that love. The good news on the other side of death and darkness is that the light and life that is in Jesus is yours now, not just then. I don't want you to ever hear an Easter sermon from me again that talks about the sweet by and by, glory, hallelujah, amen. 
Will, someday we will live with him forever and he will raise our bodies, but why wait? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? I want to close with this brief final story about another Mary in John chapter 20. Lord willing, Kathy and I are going to speak the next couple weeks about some of the other appearances of Jesus after his own resurrection and this new beginning that she spoke about and prayed about. But briefly, I want to close with another Mary that is weeping at the tomb, and it's in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. Now Mary, this is another Mary, stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And then this Mary says, they've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. So now the angels have gone, and it's Jesus standing there. And I don't know what it is about Jesus, but sometimes when these people are crying, they want to let Jesus have it a little bit. He asked the same question, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener. So shout out to gardeners. Y'all look like Jesus. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I'll get him. You don't want to mess with this Mary. But look, Jesus said to her, Mary. Mary didn't understand the full story. Mary had death and darkness creeping in, just like another Mary, months or years before at the tomb of Lazarus, but until Jesus called her by name, does she finally realize that he really is the resurrection and the life. And she cries out to him, teacher, because Jesus loved this Mary too. And I want to finish by telling you a story I read 15 years ago on a plane to Ukraine. And it was a bolt out of the blue, and I've never forgot this story. It was in a book called Blue Like Jazz, and he recited this story that he heard from a folk singer. And this folk singer tells a story of his friend who was a Navy SEAL. And he was dispatched with some special unit to some dark part of the world where there had been these hostages that had been held for months. And these hostages had been held in a dark room. They had been barely fed. They had been barely kept alive. They had been barely exposed to the light. And all they had known was cruelty and darkness and death that surrounded them. And so finally, the seals break in, and they get to the place where the hostages were being held. And you can imagine the scene if you've seen these kinds of movies. They've got the riot gear on, the Kevlar, the assault rifle, the goggles, the helmets, the lights shining brightly in their face. They've got the combat boots and the utility belt that would put Batman to shame. And so these hostages look up and they're so lost in the darkness that they can't even make out the fact that they are in fact their rescue. And so for moments after moments, the team is saying, come with us, you're free to go, let's go, let's go. And they wouldn't budge. 
They were too used to the darkness. They were too used to this state of living. And so finally, the friend of this man telling the story gets an idea. And he says, just go with me on this. And he puts down his gun and he takes off his helmet and he takes off his goggles and he takes off his vest. He takes off his belt. He takes off his boots and he gets down into the darkness and he puts his arm around one of the hostages and he doesn't shout, he whispers and says, you're free, I'm here to rescue you. Will you walk out with me? And one by one, he did this so close in the midst of the darkness that they began to trust him and follow him out of the darkness and into freedom and new life. And Easter reminds us that the same is true of us. We've been living in a world marked by death and darkness, but it doesn't get the final word because of Easter Sunday morning. It doesn't get the final word. And here's the thing. You have to believe, not in just some facts. You just got to trust a person who has stepped into the darkness and called you by name and is leading you into a new life that is so much better than the world could offer because this life will get you through the death and darkness and you will see in Jesus resurrection and life. Do we believe and will we follow him into new life? Amen. Father, we are so grateful for your love. We look at Good Friday and we don't sing about the wrath of God. We sing about the love of God because if there's one thing to say about the cross, it is that he would go to the very depths of our darkest, violent tendencies and show us a new way of forgiveness and life. That he would bear our own grave clothes so that he could walk out of the tomb without him. So we pray, Lord, that we would see you, Jesus, as the risen and reigning king who is stronger than death. And we ask that that would be so true in our bones today. So that we could walk with you in new life. Because the tomb is empty and we need not be afraid. We ask all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, each week we close with a benediction, and some of you may or may not know what a benediction is. It is not, that's all, folks, the end, or we're out of here. Benediction actually means good word. And so we close each week with a good word to take with you throughout the week until we gather again next week. So today I send you with the good word of a risen God. May the loving power of God, which raised Jesus to new life, strengthen you in hope, enrich you with his love, and fill you with joy in the faith. Go in peace. Love has set you free.